Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and diving deep into all the details you never knew you needed. I'm Lena. And I'm Vero. And we both not only share a deep love for the show and its creators, but also for our glorious patrons who enrich our lives on more than one level. Today we're talking about one of the two special bonus episodes of season three, episode 26, Once Upon a Time. And what a special episode this is turning out to be. Because for the first time in the short history of the Apple of Truth, we have a guest. Ho <laughs> Let's welcome the one and only Mike Schubert. Hello. Hi. I am so honored to be the first guest. Clearly, you've brought me on for my Lucifer expertise, as everyone could certainly assume. I have definitely watched this show before, and I know everything about it. Yay. So I know that you have a few different podcasts, but I hear that I you are starting a new project. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? So if you are listening to this between March 30th, 2021 and April 30th, 2021, that means there is a Kickstarter live for a new podcast project that I'm launching called Modern Muckraker. This is a podcast idea that I've had for a couple years, but it is a comedic investigative journalism podcast where I'll be playing a character that is fully convinced he's completing the world's most important research and investigative journalism possible. But in reality, the questions that we're going to be answering on the show are things along the lines of when should Spider-Man take the subway instead of web swinging? So I'll do painstaking research with a team to figure out all of the exact details of everything. We will interview highly overqualified guests, like I'll talk with folks at Marvel. I will talk with folks that are physicists so we can break down the mechanics of web swinging. I will speak with people that work for the New York City subway system to get all of the accurate information there. And then we will present it as if it's like one of those real NPR style investigative reporting podcasts. But the questions are going to be very silly and there's going to be things from movies and music and TV shows and comic books and all sorts of stuff like that. The reason we're doing a Kickstarter is because I want to bring in a whole team. So I want to bring in writers, a researcher, a sound designer, all sorts of stuff, a producer. And I want to be able to pay people up front rather than hope that like a Patreon pops off or ads come through. I want to be able to pay people what they're worth. So as opposed to the other shows, which is kind of like me just kind of doing the stuff all on my own, I want to bring in a team and give them the money that they are worth up front, hence a Kickstarter. So if you wanted to support that, you could go to modernmuck.com. That'll take you to our website or bit.ly slash modern muckraker and that will take you directly to the kickstarter we've got a bunch of rewards and stuff so uh yeah i think it's gonna be fun just have to say this sounds like every nitpicker's wet dream <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i've i want to make something that like combines the the nerdy like media part of my brain with the nerdy engineering part of my brain so like taking a scientific approach to very nerdy niche stuff and really trying to arrive at exact answers so not not doing subjective things like what's the best this or ranking this like all of the questions will be like here's a very specific question and then at the end of each episode it'll be like here's an exact answer like for the spider-man one we will say he should take the uptown express a train monday through friday after 5 p.m like that we'll have an exact answer to each question I love it. Facts, facts, facts for <laughs> all the tiny questions nobody ever asked but should have. <laughs> exactly, yeah. We will obviously put all of the links important for this into the episode description as well. 
So I see this as a great opportunity to bring us into the actual episode. So Lena, do you want to start us off with a summary? Of course, because this episode is different. In this episode, a murdered stuntman unites a bored actress and a disillusioned nightclub owner into working together. Meanwhile, we as the viewer get beautiful parallels, callbacks and glimpses of our favorite characters and many what-ifs and could-have-beens. Yay! I like it. That's a very succinct summary. I adore this episode. Yeah, it's... It's just good. I have struggled to find an obsession of the week, to be honest. I know that usually Lucifer gets like super focused on something. And this time I did come up with something, though. I have decided to go with something new. 100 points, exactly the same <laughs> as I did. Did you see anything yourself, Mike? It felt like, even though I didn't get some of the inside joke stuff of it, you could see through the characters' performances that they were having fun playing like their character but not necessarily their character. And I think what I was just enjoying the most is like, I could tell all the actors were having a lot of fun. It just felt, even though I didn't get every 100% like joke and I'm sure there's stuff that went over my head, it seemed like everyone was having a very good time and it made for a very pleasant experience it's like when you watch an improv show and it's like everyone's just having fun up there even if you don't get like any sort of inside joke you can tell everyone's vibing i felt like everyone was just having a blast and i felt yeah. it made me happy by association as long as you can ride the wave mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right this episode just like all the other episodes still gives us several facts and fun bits that we should mention beforehand most importantly this episode is the first one that was directed by kevin alejandro himself oh our detective Dan. That's mm. cool. Yeah. He directed four short movies before this episode. And there are going to be more episodes in Lucifer's future that he's also going to direct. Very good. We have our best writing duo return, of course, for this. Both Joe and Ildi band together. Even though they only have the teleplay credit because the story credit goes to first time mentioned Rick Lopez Jr. who will return as well in the future. Okay. <gasps> many, many fun bits to come. The title, of course, is said by the narrator, aka God. And here the usual Amazon mention needs to happen because Amazon where this show is for German viewers, for example, because this never oh. moved over to Netflix here due to copyright. On Amazon, it claims that Lucifer's mom, not God, created this alternative universe, which obviously makes no sense. Hmm. Yeah. No. The writers at Amazon, their summaries suck. Especially <laughs> on the German ones. That it's just so random. Well, it's also on the UK one, so... For once, not a language issue. It's an Amazon issue. But of course, as Vero is later definitely gonna freak out over, God is voiced by no other than Neil Gaiman himself. Yay! Very important. This was done in the midst of him showrunning Good Omens, which is also something that he oh, yeah, yeah. created together with Terry Pratchett. And that also involves angels and demons. So... There's kind of a theme there. And just because the title of this episode is Once Upon a Time, I have to mention it again. Tom Ellis appeared in the show Once Upon a Time because he played Robin Hood in that TV show. So hmm. lots of fun bits and pieces. Yeah, just for one episode though. But he was the superior Robin Hood on that show. Sadly, we don't have a previously on this time. 
unfortunately yeah you're gonna miss out on that but don't you worry i'm gonna give us a british accent somewhere else no i will not attempt that <laughs> no not today but no i will i will work on them in the future for you oh thank you but how about instead you get us right into the first scene yeah so immediately we have the narrator voice coming in and as lena already mentioned i got extremely excited because i knew neil gaiman was coming in on the show but i completely forgot it was this episode and his voice is just so beautiful and his accent is just so great and honestly i stopped caring about what he was saying about half a second in i was just kind of riding the voice <laughs> i mean i've always been a huge neil gaiman fan and he reads many of his own audiobooks so can only recommend those i don't know how familiar mike is with neil gaiman i am not too familiar i did just google him to see if i recognized him but i don't the voice did sound familiar like when he started talking i was like this guy's voice it sounds familiar so maybe i've heard it in something else but i've definitely heard of the other shows that you mentioned uh lena so i i'm familiar with his other works i guess i think an interesting nugget for that the reason why they brought him on as a god is that he is the one who created lucifer as a character in comic books so he has written a whole series that had then spinned off into Lucifer comic book series, which this show is based on. Okay. okay. Which is The Sandman, which is also going to be turned into a show, but with a female Lucifer. Oh, fun. It's going to be very good. Super hype about that. When I was watching this scene, at first I was convinced it was a dream because Chloe, who is normally our main character gets just shot to bits immediately. <laughs> I was just like, what's happening? And then I realized this is a film set and we have this beautiful moment where she starts choking on the blood capsule. And my first question was, have you guys ever tasted a blood capsule? No. Mm -mm. I've not. I've never done it. I feel like they must make it from something really, really sweet, right? It's like a... I think I heard that it's supposed to be some sort of a sugar syrupy type of a thing to get the color right. That would make sense so that you don't run into the situation that they run into in the scene where she's like coughing it up. Like it would make sense that they try to make it taste good since it is in your mouth. And you're gonna swallow it at some point. I mean, lying on your back and choking on your blood is such mm -hmm. a normal way to die on television. I will say I was very glad when I was watching this scene. I was very glad to learn that it wasn't like actually the show that it was an over-the-top cop thing because when it happened I was like yeah I, I knew nothing about the show but I agreed to be on the podcast <laughs> and like I'm a minute in I'm like this is stupid like <laughs> why is she why has she run out there these dudes shot her like to hell like they shot so many bullets at her she's like dripping blood all over the place I was like what television show am I watching and then I was like oh they're making fun of okay got it got it got it got it I, I let out a big sigh of relief there <laughs> good it's so over the top it's brilliant yeah and there is one more thing that I want to mention this scene. They show it in the background and they mention it. They have the James Dean Porsche there. Yeah. Which is also called The Little Bastard, by the way. And immediately I kind of went through my memory and that Porsche doesn't exist in this universe. So this must be an alternative universe. Also, I kind of wonder what type of budget do they have that they can afford James Dean's Porsche. Later on, Lucifer says it's a six 
million dollar car. How do they afford that? So normally what is very common in Hollywood is that they'll make a replica of the outside and then put it over not a Porsche. Like that's how they did it in Ferris Bueller when they destroy the really fancy Ferrari. It, like they have some of the Ferrari in I think some shots, but like anything that involves driving it or it eventually dying, you take like a Toyota Camry and you put Ferrari outside <laughs> that you make in a prop shop over top of it and then you destroy it. But supposedly this is the actual thing. Like at the very end, they try to steal it. So I'm just like, okay, this movie has a budget that is far beyond anything realistic. Yeah, I would imagine it's not the actual one because that would be very expensive for a couple scenes. Mm -hmm. Especially if they get their main star to actually drive it. Right, yeah. I can't imagine that being covered by insurance at N all. <laughs> no way, no way. It's got, it, it certainly must be fake. But our main star for this production gets invited for just one drink and she agrees, though obviously it never is just one drink. Ever. No matter which universe you land in. I mean, maybe this is the one universe in the all multiverse where you say one drink, it actually means it's just one drink. You never know. But we go into Lux, and even though this is not our universe, once we're in Lux, we have to have a song. Yeah, Tom Ellis, aka Lucifer, is showing us his amazing talent. He is singing My Way, which has been popularized by Frank Sinatra. And if you want to know what I mean by popularized and not written or created by Frank Sinatra, you have to tune into our bonus episode because this is where I go into detail about this. So we are listening to this amazing song and unfortunately we get just a small snippet and we are kind of diving into a different song straight away called Fox on the Run by Sweet. And then we go with the camera through Lux and we see this beautiful woman with her face covered with a mask only on one half side. And of course, if you know what the show is about, then you recognize her as our lovely Mezzakeen, which is a perfect callback to the actual comics because just like I said in season two, episode six, in the comics, Mezzakeen has a heavily deformed half of her face and she wears a mask all the time. So beautiful callback to the comics and to our show. So am I right in uh, realizing the character never gets name in this episode? It's easy. Mike, do you know who this is? I didn't get her name. I didn't know who she was. I thought it was cool that her mask like perfectly matched half of her face, but I had no idea what the hell was going on here. At first, I thought that it was maybe like a Halloween party or a costume party when they were showing some of the stuff. And especially because the lighting on Lucifer when he's playing the piano, it was like kind of purple. So I thought he was maybe because he was wearing a suit and it was purple. I was like, oh, is he supposed to be like the Joker or something? Ooh. So I at first I was like, oh, a costume party. Uh, and then I just <laughs> realized, no, creepy bar. <laughs> a very, very creepy bar. And it just continues to be creepy because we see Lucifer, once he's done playing the piano, lean towards the railing and he has his flying coin in his palm, which makes sense if you watched the actual very first episode because that's where he plays with the exact same coin. Also in our normal universe that coin doesn't exist anymore so this is just another further proof that this is not the world that we are used to. We have Chloe show up at the club and they do this quite a lot. This is a no moment where I noted the directing of the episode and the way it's shot where they kind of give us a little bit of a hint of oh these two 
characters are about to meet and then it's kind of a fall looking at each other because Chloe ends up going to the guy behind Lucifer which is obviously her friend from the set <laughs> but they do a couple of more of these throughout the episode and I kind of really enjoyed those because it just felt like we're so close to this we're so close to our normal situation and then it just falls through was it clear for you mike that these two are gonna be our potential couple yeah i definitely got the vibe that they are normally the two main characters i don't even know what regular episodes of the show are but like once they got into the point where it was the two of them basically like solving a crime with her using cop skills and him using devil skills. I was like, this is probably what normal episodes are like, just that she's really a cop and not an actress pretending to play a cop. And I figured he was basically the same. I didn't know if there was like a real difference of Lucifer, but once like you get like halfway into the episode, I was like, okay, this is probably what the TV show is normally like. Perfect. I really appreciate the perspective because all through this episode, I was just like, okay, this is not going to make sense if you don't already know. <laughs> You're just so underestimating everybody else. Yeah, I was able to piece it together, but I think the things that went more over my head, and we can get into this later, things that felt definitely like inside jokes when the therapist lady being Dr. Linda, I was like, is she, I guess she's normally a real therapist. And then the whole joke is that she's a TV show therapist. And then the I the one I had no clue was like the actor guy who came in, like Fury, he was like crying and stuff. I don't know if he was real and and it was a joke or if he's just like random ass character random ass character oh okay see to me i was like this is clearly i thought because he was so over the top with like his acting and crying and stuff i was like oh this character must be like so not an actor and then this is funny but i guess not i was also the i was very confused by a uh, guy on nascar track with lucifer i don't know what he normally does but him i was like well, who are you? Why is Lucifer making fun of you for like being uh, like a vagabond of sorts? That was the most confusing where I was like, maybe this is really good, but I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, we're going to definitely talk about Deal when we get to him. But for now, we have another character that is taken from our regular show showing up. It's Charlotte. Charlotte has a long and complicated backstory in our normal show. She's dead in our normal show. <laughs> okay, okay. That did not happen, Lena. How dare you bring this up? Mm -hmm. This is the woman who ends up stealing the money from the vault? Yes, yeah. Okay, I don't know if, if I'm just weird. I feel like her hair was very strange. Does her hair normally look like that? Because <laughs> it, it looks like she had longer hair that stopped loading. Like, because it goes so far, like, out at the bottom. Like, it looks like she had a normal thing of hair, and then they just, like, deleted the final 10% of it. It was strange. I don't know if it was a wig or whatever, but it was very abrupt. No, no, no. Trisha Helfer normally has a little different hairstyle, but... But yes, it's insane. I have noted it as well. It's, it's so sharp. It looks like it's going to cut her. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like it's going to murder somebody. It must be a wig. It, it surely has to be a wig. Like a hair murder weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, of course, it makes perfect sense because in this universe, she is still the super hard-ass attorney, which we are used to in the beginning when she shows up, but she is not yet reformed to a more moral type of behavior so her being this kick-ass harsh attorney with the harsh cut off hair murder weapon for a hair <laughs> perfect it really fits well but as beautiful as she is lucifer is not in the mood for the very first time ever and i have a question why is it because like the voiceover tries to tell us she used to be his mom in our universe 
Yeah, that was weird. When he said that, I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, Oedipus episode. Yeah, there's a lot of Oedipus things in season two of Lucifer. Or is it because just before Chloe and Lucifer walked past each other and had their very first near contact? Listen, I feel like that is reaching. You say that to me. (laughs) I do say that to you because I think that maybe partially Chloe is in the back of his mind, but I am pretty sure that this situation was just getting us into the mode of thinking that this may be the reason, but actually it being what it is. Because I am convinced that he actually ended up sleeping with her at the end after he decided that it's a good time, he's going to be moving on, whatever. He gets himself into the mood with the expansion plans to Las Vegas. Exactly, because who wouldn't want to go to Las Vegas and have a bar there, right? I mean, I would not. I have no desire (laughs) to ever go. Same. Hey, I'm going next year. Don't ruin it for me. I'm not. No, I'm just, (laughs) I think it's different being international versus American. Because for me, it's just like, like the extreme worst version of stuff I've already done. Like I've done casinos and I've done bars and stuff like that. And to me, Las Vegas is just like this and everything's more intense and then also more expensive. I, I would just rather go to the Grand Canyon, which is very close nearby. And I would rather take in like nature than $20 cocktails. I'm fully there with you. Grand Canyon, any day over Las Vegas. But what if you can do both? You can. And, you know, to each their own. Yay. (laughs) So there's one last thing I want to mention because we have another callback here. The safe combination is 666, which is tried in our universe and does not work there. When I saw that, I was like, this is a terrible safe combination (laughs) for a guy named Lucifer. That's the first thing I would guess. In fairness, though, he has a guard dog, as we find out later on. So okay, okay. Still, he deserves to be robbed if his combination <laughs> is six, six, six. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's pick up the pace a little bit by <laughs> heading over to Linda's office. And at the start, I was like, "Hmm, this actually makes absolute sense." I know they originally framed it so we would think that Linda is actually talking to Lucifer, which would be our normal therapy session. But then we get the revelation that Chloe is the patient, which makes sense because the way we met Linda in the first place in the pilot was when she was a therapist to a celebrity who died and was Lucifer's friend. Chloe being the celebrity now, it makes sense that she has a therapist. Yeah, completely on board with that. What I did not expect was the pun out of the camera and seeing that this entire situation was a studio. Yeah, I thought that was really well done. I thought that was a good reveal because I didn't see it coming at first. And then I did wonder when they do those kind of things, when you can see the sets, I wonder if when they're filming the show, those are like their actual equipment and they just zoom out really far or if they have to get smaller lights that go under the big lights that are actually lighting the scene. I was like, this is either a really creative thing where they don't have to buy a bunch of extra stuff, or this is a really complicated shot where they have to have real equipment and smaller fake equipment to fit inside the frame. I would love to live in the universe where they have the tiny little equipment and they have to zoom out and have the big equipment mm-hmm. and you can yeah, rent yeah, out yeah. different ones. Ah, <laughs> that would be so fun. We also have a tiny callback in here because Weaponizer 5 is a franchise in our actual universe. 
Mm. It is led by Mark DeCascos, who is a very famous actor in our universe. So that was a very nice callback. But mostly I was just happy that Linda had fame and fortune and a freaking TV show. You were happy for now, you mean? Oh, we're gonna talk about that. But before we talk more about Linda and her therapy choices, we have to go back to Lux. Yeah, and again, I have made a note of Neil Gaiman because I fucking love him. He does really kill this narration. And he's just so good at being the god. He, the way he speaks, the cadence, everything, every single word that he says, you can tell that this is his story. This is his baby that they took and made a little spin on it. And I wonder how involved he actually was with this episode. Because I know that he's not involved with the actual normal show, but I would imagine if they brought him on, I can imagine Ilde and Joe sitting down with him, going over the story and making sure that all the words that are said, not just by him, are up to the par. Usually Neil Gaiman is extremely hands-off when it comes to TV and movie realizations of his projects. Good Omens is the only exception because he made a promise to Sir Terry Pratchett to make it happen just like the two of them envisioned it. That is the only reason why he was so involved with Good Omens. Everything else, he lets them do their thing. We get our title card and I can't believe we're only like seven minutes into the episode. Seven minutes and 20 seconds. But right after the title card, we meet Daniel. And Daniel is our main true cop this episode. And he is dirty, which made me sad. Made me very, very sad because I adore this character. I love him. Yeah, I'm sure that he came off on a little bit of a different note for Mike. Yeah, though I'm not surprised to hear that he's normally a nice guy because he didn't look very mean and he wasn't... He wasn't the, not to diss the actor, but it wasn't the most convincing, like, crooked cop. So (laughs) if I had to guess, I would have guessed, like, he's probably normally a not crooked cop. Just for your information, that character is played by Kevin Alejandro, a.k.a. the director of this episode. Oh, cool. I think that's one of the reasons why he doesn't have that much space in here. Mm -hmm. But also, originally, in season one, Dan is on the way to become crooked. Oh. No, no, no. He's already dirty. Debate for another time. But this is kind of like going full dark side for Dan in this situation. Okay. And Lucifer confronts him and he calls him Detective Dildo. Yeah, that felt interesting. Normally he calls him Detective Douche. So question, which is worse, Detective Douche or Detective Dildo? I feel like Douche, like Dildo's a a naughty word, if you will. But when you look at the two things, like I would rather hold a Dildo than hold a a bag of Douche. (laughs) So... (laughs) I feel like it's an easy choice there. (laughs) That's definitely a way to look at it. I feel like douche seems more playful. If you call somebody a douche, it's either like, I don't want to have anything to do with you, but also it could be like, I don't know, like making fun of him, but also wanting to keep him around. Dildo seems like straightforward, yuck, go away. I find it hilarious because both things are things that you use for a vagina. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
we get another callback here because Delilah is mentioned and that is our murder of the week in season one, episode one. And in this universe, the LAPD did not solve their murder. And I kind of wonder if this Lucifer took care of this himself or if he just let it slide. I think he must have because he was going to do that anyway. But because we have Chloe as a as a cop in the pilot, she kind of makes him work with her, which I imagine that didn't happen with the detective dildo. So uh, I'd say he still figured it out, but he gave him a taste of his own justice. And also very, very sweetly done. The dialogue between Lucifer and Dan is nearly verbatim what Chloe and Lucifer say in episode one. So this for me is one of these love letter moments to the fans of the show. They trust us that we paid so much attention. So that made me very happy. Yeah. So in the next scene, we finally figure out what is different about this universe. Chloe walks into the precinct and I was kind of surprised that everybody is saying hi to her and whatever if she's not a cop in this universe. And then we have the revelation that her father didn't die, became a lieutenant and is still kicking. I called him Daddy Decker the entire episode. <laughs> Alliteration queen. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, it was right there. I know. So this kind of puts us in the situation where we realize that even though Chloe has this strong moral compass as per usual, she didn't become a police officer because her dad doesn't want her to get in danger. Which, I mean, fair enough. She didn't have the horrible experience that made her change career paths. And we're going to talk about this at the end of the episode. But otherwise, I don't have much to say for Daddy Decker being part of the game now. I feel like I know the actor. I didn't look him up. Yeah, he definitely looked familiar. I was like, oh, that guy. Yeah, but I couldn't put a pin on exactly where he was from. <laughs> I usually look it up, but like, it's just the face. Didn't ring a bell for me, so didn't do my homework on that actor. But now, now we go to a place that I could not wait to get to because now we get to Ella. And we see, very important first, that Lucifer drives a different car than he does in our universe. He drives a beautiful red car. I have no idea about cars, so it's just a car for me. Maybe Vero knows more. Psst, no. Are you crazy? <laughs> I know it's red and I know I love it. <laughs> That's all you need to know. It's the same thing with the other car. I just obligatory need to say I love this fucking car. But most importantly, it is the same license plate and it says Fallen One. Fallini. Yeah, got it. Got it. Did you notice the license plate, Mike? I did not, <laughs> but I, I think I'm just so disgusted by personalized license plates that it kind of like washed over my eyes. It's a trend that I think is so silly. <laughs> Vanity plates are horrible and awesome at the same time when in TV shows. I, yeah, I think in a TV show it makes sense. I was tempted to get one because my nickname Shubes fits since it's only seven letters so it would fit on any license plate in the states here but i remember looking into that when i was getting like my first set of license plates up for renewal when i was like just out of college i was like 22 23 and at least in texas where i was looking it cost like 75 dollars per year and i was like oh god like it would be cool it's not 75 dollars every single year cool like <laughs> and also apparently it's bad for uh if you don't want to get like speeding tickets or stuff like that because it gives your car something distinctive so you are more likely to get in trouble for a speeding ticket or a parking ticket or if you're doing something truly nefarious someone finding your car more easily because it makes your car stand out that much more it's also why like if you don't want to get speeding tickets don't get like a red car or something just get like a gray <laughs> 
boring car. <laughs> Because red things are faster. I mean, it's unfortunately a thing here in America that red cars get pulled over more often than not red cars. I had no idea. For Lucifer, it is very on brand that he has a vanity plate. And I love that it's the same one that we're used to. But now he knocks and Ella Lopez opens the door. And it is perfect. What is she normally? Because I definitely got the vibe she was not a car mechanic. She is a forensic scientist. Oh, that's very fun. Okay, that makes sense. Because she sounded, the way she was describing cars felt science-y. So that makes sense. Speaking of the way people speak, the Lucifer guy, is that how the actor normally sounds? Or is he putting on a voice to be Lucifer? Vero met him. More or less, this is his accent, yeah. Okay, yeah. I did look it up and I saw that guy was Welsh. Because it kind of, a little bit, I was like, either this is a pristine accent or... This feels like someone trying to sound incredibly proper and English, and I wouldn't have been surprised if the guy was just American doing a voice. No, no, no. <laughs> Truth is that he is a classically trained actor from a school that I don't remember which one in England. He is also, he is a blue blood. I think his uncle or something is a count or some sort of a something. Oh. The Ellis family oh. is one of those. But he is slightly over-exaggerating his own yeah, regular accent, sense. obviously. He's leaning into it a little bit. But yeah, ah, I love him so much. <laughs> But aside from Ella, I don't have anything on the scene because she got all my focus. I really, really loved the style that they gave her. It kind of reminded me of like a pinup girl. We can do it. Rolling up the sleeves. I forget her name. I think Rosie the Riveter, I think her name is. I'm not positive. That's the one. But... On this scene, I was just very shocked that you could ever find out so much information from a stubby thing like that. <laughs> Are you saying that every single car has a different stubby thing in it? That's not from the car. That's a screwdriver. But how does she... I'm confused, okay. It's a tool. Yeah, well, it's a tool, but you keep the tool in the car and she knows what car it is by the looking at the tool. No, it's for a team that works on a specific car. Okay, whatever. <laughs> It was so weird, though. It's just too much information for a stubby thing. Now I have officially said stubby thing for 50,000 times, <laughs> so I can let it go. Ella has got to Ella, so she's going to find all the clues where no other person could find them. That is true. But now the time has come for us to go to the racetrack. We started off with another song. We only have four in this episode, <laughs> so this is number three. It's called Speed Queen, and it is by Thunderpussy. The band name is so good. I love it. And the song is great. <laughs> yeah, it was just for the band name. I was considering doing my deep dive on that song. But I mean, Frank Sinatra, Thunder Pussy, Frank Sinatra, Thunderpussy. <laughs> David Bowie, which it should have been, but never mind. Here, I just have to say my nerdy little heart laughed and cried at the same time because Chloe's movie character is named Bonnie Gennaro. And in Die Hard, the actress who plays Holly Gennaro is called Bonnie Bedelia. Oh, wow. So this is a double reference for Die Hard 1. Amazing. That's the one with the best villain ever. Yes, definitely. Oh, yeah. Gosh, Hans Gruber, incredible stuff from Alan Rickman. The the thing I did find funny about her going into cop mode through the show and stuff is people just see a badge and they're like, okay, and I don't know if this works in the real world, but like it felt way too easy for her just to be like, I'm a detective. And everyone was like, yes, you are. <laughs> 
<laughs> also, she's from the Weaponizer. That is like Fast and Furious. How does no one recognize her? Yeah, that's the part I didn't find super believable is if she's supposed to be super famous actress and like you kind of get this with like the guy in the trailer who's like, wait a second, are you? Like, I feel like if someone that famous, I don't know if there's a direct parallel to what actress she's supposed to line up with in, you know, our current normal real universe here. But like, I don't know. If Zendaya shows up, I'll be like, you're Zendaya, you're not a detective. I'm sorry, if the lead from Fast and the Furious shows up, you're gonna recognize the lead. But, you know, maybe these NASCAR people just don't watch a whole lot of uh, movies and television, so they're more oblivious. Or maybe because their sunglasses are really big, everyone's like, that could be anyone. Yeah. In all fairness, though, imagine if The Rock comes up to you and says, hey, I work for the police, let me in. Would you say no? Yes. I'd, I mean, I would just want to talk to him about The Rock stuff. But th- this is the other part. Does she say her character's name as well? Yes, Yep. Yeah, so that's like, come on. <laughs> the only conclusion I could draw here was if you walk in anywhere with enough confidence, it's just going to work out. Yeah, but like if Keanu Reeves walked into a store and was like, I'm John Wick, I need a gun. You got to be like, wait a second. <laughs> I've heard of John Wick, the film franchise. Wait, you're the guy from John Wick, the film franchise. <laughs> Oh, God. (sighs) There's one last thing in the scene that I need to mention because we get a very, very short callback to Hot Top High School, which is the one movie in our timeline that Chloe actually took part in. And then she became a cop. And she's topless in that movie. Oh, okay. Got it, got it. Yeah, they mentioned the hot tub thing. That makes more sense that it was actually an inside joke. Also, I think that was the main and biggest reason why Lucifer started following her career in both of our universes topless scene because he's a horn dog given that when i was pulling up netflix on my television in my home and it was like lucifer and the little preview image was just like naked dude i was like oh all right he's gonna fuck <laughs> and then two minutes in he was like i'm fucking this lady and then 10 minutes later it's like now i'm fucking this lady <laughs> i was like yeah it's on brand but you know what refreshing to finally see scantily clad man as the preview image for a show when like every woman in any show has to be like well we have to make sure she's not wearing anything even if she's a superhero She's got to be wearing a bikini. Also canonically bisexual half-naked men. Oh, good for him. Good for the show. You love to see it. He had a bet with his personal trainer that if the show got picked up, then he would commit to the harsher routine. Oh. Nice. Love that. And then the show got saved and he made the promise and he committed. At least that's what he said in an interview. (laughs) Can't always believe actors. But we are going off the rails again. So we need to go to jail Mm -hmm. or to the precinct and watch Dan steal money, which made me very sad. But I didn't stay sad for long because in our universe, Dan and Charlotte were a couple and I shipped them. And then she died and Dan got sad. Never happened. So to see Charlotte come into evidence and talk (laughs) to Dan and know that they're gonna spend time together just made this broken heart so happy that I could look over the fact that he's a dirty cop and stealing money and that they're planning to steal from Lucifer. I knew immediately this is going to be a very, very enjoyable side plot of the episode because I knew Maze is there. I knew this is not going to be as easy as it looks. So I just got excited. The conversation between the two is funny when she's like, I'm going to steal the money. He's like, no, I don't trust you. She's like, what, do you not trust me? He's like, yeah. And then she's like, I promise I won't leave without you. And he's like, okay, let's steal the money. It got resolved very quickly where they were like, yep, we're in it together now. (laughs) That's what I mean. Scenes like this make no sense if you don't have the backstory to these characters. 
I get why we got them, but if you don't have the context, it's like, wow, that was way too easy. Okay, well, speaking of context, if we move on to the racing ring thing again. Yeah. Oh my god. The racetrack. This is a big one. This is like one of the two characters in this episode didn't get enough space to actually be understandable, I think. And one of them was Amenadiel, who is Lucifer's brother. Okay, I gathered that. He is also an angel, and each angel has a little bit of a different superpower. Amenadiel's superpower is slowing down time. Gather that as well. So uh, Lucifer loves to use him either when a bullet gets fired or when a car is driving up to him. So he prays to him, Ames shows up, and, you know, Lucifer just uses him for his powers and goes on his merry way, which is exactly what happened here. But that was a cool scene. Did it make any sense for you with Lucifer just standing in the middle of the track and suddenly praying? I gathered that he was a time slower as his power, but I gathered that, like, the way to get his attention was, like, put him in danger, and then he was basically, like... I didn't, I didn't get that he was praying. I thought that he was, like, saying, oh, if I'm about to die, this dude will come. That's what I thought happened. And then once he was there, I was very confused about trying to think about, like, what's happening right now versus, like, what is normal. And then it was... It felt very, like... This is where I felt the most lost because they were talking about can't go back to hell and dad not liking Lucifer and all this other stuff. And then I was like, I don't know what's happening. Yep. <laughs> Too much information. Yes. Because at the same time that I'm trying to take in the information about what they're talking about right now, I was also trying to say like, okay, so if this is what's happening now. I wonder what normally their relationship is. So it was just a lot. There would be so much to unpack and I'm not gonna give you like a brain dump on a mana deal because there's three seasons of character development. Mm -hmm. So this is the main scene that gave me the foundation for this doesn't make sense if you don't know the show. But if you know the show, nearly every single line in this scene makes sense and is a reference to something else. And it's pretty amazingly written, to be honest. Yes, it is a pure love letter to the fans because so many references, sometimes even half a sentence or just one word there's a name drop for another angel so this was really really sweetly done for us fans but impossible for non-lucy fans to follow yeah so we get that move of lucifer kind of dragging the dude who obviously i haven't written down name for rex thank you so dragging rex out of the car and that was just such a cool moment yes just random and funny and cool and i want to be able to do that <laughs> But then Eminadiel leaves and the time comes back and suddenly all these people run up and start just bothering Lucifer. And it's just such a weird sight to, to see because normally Lucifer is this charming guy who goes around and everybody pretty much falls down to his feet trying to either have sex with him or just spend some time with him because they're so dazzled by him. Please him in any way. Yeah, and it's not the case, especially in this moment at all, unlike what's happening with Chloe, who just walks away with Rex. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, that made no sense as someone who is familiar with his usual power, because his usual power is to awaken the desire within everyone else, and nearly everyone desires him in some way or, or another. And so it made no sense to me as well, but it helps the story get along, which was nice. Mm -hmm. 
So we get the moment in the trailer and oh my god, Chloe. Before you rave on about Chloe, I have to nitpick continuity error. All the time at the racetrack, she has her hair in a ponytail and inside the trailer truck, it's open. Ah. Blame it all Kevin Alejandro. Tweeted him. You tweeted him. You're better at Twitter than I am. <laughs> Write letters. Kevin, how dare you? So now, now you get to rave about Chloe because she is amazing. She is insane. She uses a monologue she had in a film and you Wild. can tell that she is really serious and you can tell that she is a very good actress actually I mean it's over the top obviously and like she knows exactly what she's doing and she's very brave to be honest she has this whole big speech and it works she actually gets him to talk I mean you know except Lucifer shows up and fucks it all up but it actually <laughs> works I was floored she really does a great job and it was hilarious that she's using her lines to give gravitas to her character Character, but finally someone recognizes her. Side note mention, the sponsor on Rex's clothing is Top Meat, which is a callback to episode 8 of this season. Top Meat is the dating app that we covered. Ah. Oh my god. Yeah, so many tiny things. But for me, most importantly in this scene, we see Lucifer exhibit his what do you truly desire? And Mike, how was it for you to see this with no context? It was cool. And also for someone named Lucifer, I was like, oh, that makes sense that that's his power. It reminded me, and I don't know if either of you have listened to Lauren Shippen's podcast, The Bright Sessions, but there is a character named Damien who has basically in this podcast, it's a very good fiction show that everyone should listen to, but it's basically people are like X-Men-ish where people have mutant types abilities and one of the guys who's villain-esque he his power is exactly this where he can't make people do whatever they want but he makes people have this overwhelming desire to please him and that usually manifests by telling him what he wants doing stuff for him etc so with that background that I have with an existing character it made sense and it felt very cool and I liked how his eyes and his face all changed when he started doing it it was very fun and intimidating and it was just it was cool to see I, I thought it was very fun. Nice. Well, so we have that happening and Chloe, obviously, this is the first time she sees this and confronts Lucifer just outside a trailer and Lucifer explains to her how his powers work, which is, again, word for word, lifted from the pilot. And in the pilot, he tries to use his powers on her and it doesn't work, which is then basis of him being intrigued and wanting to be around her to figure out what's happening because she's the only human ever he ever met that is happening for. And even though this didn't happen in this episode, he seems to be pretty intrigued by her, which I find interesting. I found it mostly interesting because in the original pilot, she doesn't believe him. And in this version, she instantly goes, oh, okay, sure, he's psychic or something. <laughs> and she just rolls with it. So I don't know if being a cop made her more jaded that she doesn't believe him in our universe or being an actress made her more open-minded and she just rolls with it but I found that a very interesting difference between the two Chloe's that we have yeah well interesting differences Speaking of those, we get our doctor Linda again, and she is the same, but a little different. Yeah, this scene made me tense in so, so many ways, because in our original show, Linda used to be one of my favorite characters. And I was worrying for her if she was going to make the moral choice or the money choice. And of course, in the end of the episode, we see that she makes the money choice. And my heart broke a little bit for this Linda, because it's bad. It's an interesting thing to watch, because you can tell that she has a big dilemma she is facing and she's really struggling and 
I really believed that she wasn't gonna do it because that's what I'm used to. But even seeing the struggle in her face was really nice and obviously showed that Rachel Harris did a really good job portraying this different version of Linda. Did you expect her to make the bad choice, Mike? I didn't really know. I didn't have a prediction either way because I didn't know what this character is normally like. But really, I, I didn't have a, a prediction. I was I was similarly saddened when she did make the bad choice because it just felt very cruel and very reminiscent of, I don't know, like the stuff that's going on with this current season of The Bachelor where the producers are like trying to make things more dramatic. And by doing so, they may have potentially ruined some people's lives and stuff. And it made me feel really gross about like the state of of reality television at times just like treating these people not like they're actual human beings and just doing whatever's going to get ratings and clicks and stuff so yeah I don't think I had a prediction but it did make me sad when she did the money choice it's too close to reality yeah it was too real it was way too real but we go back to the set because chloe and lucifer are now working together and chloe knows exactly how to use lucifer and i adore this <laughs> that she goes okay you go to erica and you do your thing and then we're gonna know what we can use her for and off lucifer goes to follow her commands not like she intended but still off he goes I mean, it's not like he's doing it against his will. No. <laughs> and he enjoys it very, very much, as we can hear outside the trailer. I don't understand what Chloe expected, because she sends him over to Erika's trailer. To interrogate her, to do the psychic thing. Well, he can do the psychic thing in a public place. He doesn't need to go into the trailer to do that. It was the perfect lack of specificity where she meant one thing and he was like, oh, you want me to fuck her? Tight. Yeah. <laughs> it was well, well worded and well written. Yeah, you know, got the job done. It's not the journey, it's the destination, you know. <laughs> it's results that matter and he got our exactly, exactly. results. I will remember what you just said, Lina, and I will replay that back to you. Ooh. Every single episode we're going to be recorded because this is... Mm, every time. That's perfectly fine. But Daddy Decker shows up. Explain to me. How did he find out that Chloe is working with Lucifer? Because it feels like they only just got together on this quest. And unless somebody recognized Chloe at the racing place and recognized also Lucifer from the same place and saw them together walking away at the very end of that whole situation, how did he know? He's the police <laughs> lieutenant. Yeah, he's very good at his job. Come on. You don't get to be a lieutenant unless you can put together some clues. <laughs> He's a clue master. I agree that he had no idea what was... Uh, if, again, it felt very quickly resolved. Like They were like, well, we got to cut this episode down to 45 minutes. Yeah, he figured it out. <laughs> I did write down that it felt like they cut something out just to kind of get to the point. But... There was no cutscene this time, sadly. I mean, they just needed to smash everything in there because, mm -hmm. you know, last episode of what they knew at that stage. Nobody thought there was gonna be more. This is the very last thing they shot. But now, one of my favorite characters finally gets some kind of decent screen time because we go back to the penthouse and Charlotte is robbing the safe. But Mace shows up. But not just Mace. Because in this universe, Mace has a fucking cult. Yeah, whole squad. Whole squad shows up. Question for both of you. Demons or people? I say humans. Oh, see, I thought demons because at the end, she does the whole thing where she's basically like, the more you sin, the more fun it'll be for me. And I was like, oh, she's very clearly 
alluding to like if you sin a bunch you'll end up in hell and then i'll get to torture you later so my thought was at least she is a demon yes. in the same way that lucifer is like looks and most normally acts like a regular person but that was the vibe that i got is that she is supernatural of sorts well she is definitely a demon but i was more kind of directing on her hench people i would also assume demon just because where did they come from <laughs> exactly that was my thinking <laughs> i say humans because she's a sadist and she is gonna recruit people into her cult and by this turning them into even worse people and she also gets to torture humans out of their own free will because at the very end we see her heat a mask that she's then gonna burn onto that person's face well yeah but also wouldn't it be interesting if lucifer would bring up more demons from hell in this universe to give himself and May's company because he doesn't have chloe he doesn't have the job that he normally does so that would be kind of a way for him to bring a little bit of home to earth he hates hell the only reason he brought mace is because mace refuses to leave his side I mean, that's that universe okay we're talking about <laughs> alternative universe sorry i want to point out one tiny thing about mace that made zero sense she's wearing an ankh in her outfit which is an ancient Egyptian hieroglyphic symbol. Oh, that Ankh. That stands for life. It's literally the symbol of life. So it makes no sense that Mezekine, a demon from hell, one of the Lilim, is wearing this symbol. Maybe it's like a tongue-in-cheek thing. Like, this is so not my vibe, since I'm all about death, <laughs> that I'm going to wear the life thing. Like, it's, oh, look how funny it is. It's, I, it's an ironic choice, maybe. <laughs> the cult of Ankh. I can see that. I'm going to accept that. Thank you. <laughs> and I have a final question for the scene. We know that Dan was waiting for Charlotte. He said so when they were talking in evidence. How long did all this take? Mace knocked Charlotte out and then tied her to a chair and then interrogated her. Did Dan just keep standing downstairs in luck? He's just playing Candy Crush on his phone. He's just, you know, getting to the next level of his various <laughs> iPhone games, just killing time. Crazy cupcakes. Doom scrolling on Twitter, etc. Well, I mean, <laughs> he is not the sharpest pencil in the bunch, so it wouldn't surprise me. Maybe it's another callback to Die Hard, where the guy just has to sit in the car the whole time, even though it's like hours upon hours upon hours. It's an indirect further callback. Nice. I like the theory. I really now regret not rewatching Die Hard and watching Rebel Without a Cause, because I feel like there would be more references to that. I'm gonna get to why Rebel Without a Cause in a couple of scenes, but before we get to that... We're we're going back to the sets for a little bit to get the I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed speech. Classic, classic. I hate that speech. It scarred me for life. So I am definitely on the let's just make Papa Decker dead again. Turn him into <laughs> dead E Decker. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Thank you. That hurts. Thank you. <laughs> but it's true. Mike, you don't know that, but I hate puns. With a oh. fiery passion, I hate mm. puns and Vero delights in torturing me with puns. So if you come up with anything else, please mm -hmm. say it. Of course. Of mm -hmm. course. I will. I'll, I'll be on my best behavior. <laughs> 
please don't. But now we move over to Ella and of course she's a huge fan of Weaponizer. She instantly recognizes Chloe and I adore this whole callback within the episode of the talk between Linda and Chloe that she's an inspiration to young women and Ella goes yeah because of you I started stealing cars and Chloe's like (laughs) what? Perfection. This made me really, really happy. And also Lucifer's horrible post-sex hair also was adorable. (laughs) He has that in the previous scene. And I was just actually surprised that did he change outfits to get something that wasn't covered in lipstick? Or did he just like did his hair on the way to the garage? Or how did he actually end up looking like normal in that scene? Because that jump was incredible. Lucifer-ness. Yeah, maybe maybe he just kind of, you know, like a dog took his head out of the <laughs> window yeah, and yeah. just kind of had it smoothened, yeah. Now I have windswept hair. You would know, you have the experience. I know the struggle of having hair that can look quite silly when not properly adjusted and such, so I, I feel the man's pain. To wrap up this scene, I have to point this out because in our universe, Lucifer's pop culture knowledge is perfection. We have so many wonderful references, once even to Spider-Man. But in this case, he makes a mistake because he mentions the Razor's Edge uh, mid-1980s movie and claims that it is about Kip Strong and a love struggle or racing. And no, it's not. The Razor's Edge is an actual movie. It's a remake of a 1946 movie about an American fighter pilot during World War One. So... No racing, no connection. Well, since we already are talking about different movies than this show, we now move on to the Griffith Observatory. Very cool spot. This is a very cool spot and it's very photogenic. Have either of you been there? I've never been to West Coast. I've been to the Griffith Observatory a couple of times. It's very nice. And the time when it's sunset or sunrise, anything where you're getting the awesome view of the sky and all that is is very pretty. It's super picturesque. Famous for a good reason spot. Like one of the few tourist traps where you're like, oh, this makes sense because it's like natural beauty as opposed to, you know, like the windy street in San Francisco. Like that's awful. Like, oh, cool. It's a it's a road that looks silly. <laughs> Fantastic. Like at least if you go to the Griffith Observatory, you can learn cool things about space and also get incredible views of the city. So it makes sense. All the filmmakers around the world have noticed the beauty of the Griffith Observatory as well. So if you just go to the Wikipedia site of Griffith Observatory, you can find at least 38 different just movies. <laughs> I'm surprised it's that low. I'm so I would have guessed it was in the hundreds. Well, these are just the ones mentioned on Wikipedia. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think the first mention, the earliest film there is from 1933, if I'm not mistaken. But, and this is where it gets a little bit more interesting, one of the biggest and most famous films and scenes, or a couple of different scenes in a movie, was from Rebel Without a Cause, right. which is the last film that James Dean ever done because he has died, I believe, a month before the premiere. Oh, wow. He died in a car accident. He has received his Porsche that he dubbed the little bastard because it was so temperamental. He has received that because he was really into racing, which is another interesting connection to our episode here as a side plot was happening in the NASCAR racing thing because James B. Dean was a passionate racer as well and he has raced in a few different things and this is why he got this sports car and he died in it and they say it is cursed today which is like a whole another level of tangent about that 
and that car does not exist today. You can find parts of it. I think it was sold for scraps. That's why they didn't rebuild it in full. But you can find little bits and pieces all over the world, that, which are extremely expensive to get, obviously. Of course, yeah. But the entire car does not exist, which, again, has brought me to the fact that this episode is alternative universe. And I would be interested to know if James Dean is still alive in this universe. Or <laughs> maybe not alive, but... Yeah, but yeah, he didn't have the same death, etc. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it makes sense because I think they have a statue of James Dean at the Griffith Observatory. Yeah, there's a bust. Oh, yeah, there's definitely. Because when I went there, I was like, seems weird at the planet place to have James Dean, but I guess it's <laughs> L.A., so <laughs> that makes sense. Ugh, okay, so that's me on James Dean. <laughs> but it's, it was beautiful. I get too much into these things, and then I forget English. Perfectly mm -hmm. fine. Happens to the best of us. But here... Of course, we get the whole chasing the suspect scene. It's a rare instant, actually, to see Lucifer run after a suspect himself. Usually he lets others do the chasing or we just magically see him appear wherever he ends up. But for me, the most important thing is that we see his devil eyes flash here. Oh, that was the coolest part of the whole episode. When the guy shoots him and I guess Lucifer has, I don't know what superpower allows him to not die from, I don't know if it was all things or, or whatever. He's immortal okay that makes sense so when when the guy shoots him a bunch and he says what the hell and then he says now you're getting the idea or now you're getting there something whatever line he says there with his eyes change i was like oh like that was the coolest part of the whole thing i was like this is awesome like what a perfect cheesy action line without being way too cheesy like it wasn't so over the top but it had a little bit of hamminess in it i oh i thought it was really cool it, it put a big grin on my face yeah this is such perfection in this moment and I really like how they wrap it all up. And he hides the bullet holes in his shirt when Chloe shows up, mm -hmm. which is also a difference to our universe because in our universe, Lucifer does not make any secret about him being an actual angel, being the true Lucifer Morningstar, being an immortal, being invulnerable. So it's very interesting change. And I'm curious as to why this is, but sadly it doesn't get answered. And the final thing in the scene that made me kind of happy and like Daddy Decker quite a bit more is at the very end he shows up and tries to talk to Chloe and Lucifer steps right in and goes you're just gonna be the disappointed father and fathers are so horrible blah, blah, blah. and Papa Decker is just a good man and a good dad he actually makes sense with what he's saying and I felt it was a nice wrap-up for the character that we only got to meet for such a short time. Yeah, especially because we have Lucifer kind of expecting what honestly I expected myself as well, that he's gonna be mean to Chloe and he's gonna be disappointed again. And I was getting ready to write down, oh, go away with the disappointment, you butt. And... <laughs> It's just, it was a nice change to the pace. It's nice to see that not all fathers are the same in this universe. But he does mention a naked guy with a harpoon and there is this little snippet of oh, yeah. <laughs> Lucifer in the background just going, Ooh, what? This <laughs> caught his attention. So that just made my heart sing. And the fact that Lucifer then later on calls it out as well. But then he says this one thing that gets then later on repeated by Neil Gaiman parent just wants what's best for their child which is kind of what we want to take away from this episode i suppose and i see lena's face and she is strongly disagreeing with me i can tell as if i ever would do that 
I'm saving it for the final thoughts. Don't you worry. Okay, yeah. Well, this is kind of a nice wrap-up. That quote is a nice wrap-up for this scene. And we go into the final montage. We get Heroes by David Bowie playing over this, which is obviously a brilliant song. And one of the reasons David Bowie gets used for this, I mean, I assume, is that David Bowie was the inspiration for the visual of Lucifer in the comic books originally. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Lucifer is supposed to look pretty much exactly like David Bowie. And they even considered making Tom Ellis blonde in the beginning, but they decided against it because it didn't really work. And so in turn, in our universe, they just made Lucifer a huge David Bowie fan. We did have David Bowie before. We had Rebel Rebel from, uh, I think it was in season two, Lucifer was doing the rebirth party. And he was playing that at the Rebirth party. So this is not the first time we have David Bowie. But as we're listening to Heroes, we get a bit of a resolution to each of our characters with the voiceover of Neil Gaiman again. Thank you, Universe, for giving us the voice of Neil Gaiman, because that was just beautiful. And there is a few things that are good and a few things that are bad and a few things that are just kind of both. So, I don't know, do you have something specific to say about that, Lina? I always have something specific to say, but I'm mostly curious, how did this wrap up the episode for you, Mike? The whole voiceover, the glimpses into each of the introduced characters. It felt a little cheesy, but I think... It makes sense given that it was like the last episode of the season, potentially what they're thinking the last episode ever. And also the fact that it was this alternate thing done mostly for the fans to see like it made sense. But for me as an outside viewer, it kind of felt like when you are writing a book report for school and you haven't hit the (laughs) maximum word thing. So you add one extra paragraph at the end to be like, in conclusion, here's six (laughs) other things I already said throughout this paper. So like they kept saying and showing, I was like, yeah, you already talked about moving the bullet over and like another butterfly flex you already talked about the little differences and how someone who is good like one tiny difference can make them immoral blah 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 so for me it just felt unnecessary but i understood why it was there but i was just like okay i personally would have thought it would would have been nicer to end on that previous scene just because i felt like it was a nice little bow but i understand why they have this epilogue so to speak even though I wasn't super gung-ho about it. I'm very happy with your analysis because this is exactly <laughs> what I expected it to feel like. Okay. <laughs> without the context. Of course, with the context, it makes your heart weep with joy because you get just this few seconds of more time with people. You see Ella hanging up the poster that is signed. You have Mace with her terrifying cult and even though she's now not the evolved character that she is in our universe at least she seems to have friends or something (laughs) define friends henchmen at least yeah you have linda obviously struggling with making the money choice and not the moral choice so maybe there's a tiny bit of hope that she is gonna change her ways in the future and For me, of course, most importantly is you see Charlotte and Dan ride off into the sunset (laughs) together with the stolen money to live happily ever after until they die and then go to hell and are tortured for all eternity. (laughs) What a happy ending. Is it though? (laughs) 
but yeah nevertheless we we do get this montage and i am a sucker for a good montage what can i say <laughs> but we end this episode on something else we end this episode on chloe and lucifer looking at the night la and talking and we see that chloe has decided to go in her father's footsteps and actually become a cop and lucifer suggests that he might work with her so essentially what is happening here is giving us the idea that we're gonna go the same direction or they're gonna go the same direction as they did in the original series where as god mentions in the voiceover he nudged them into a few years prior it's fate no matter what universe they end up together they find a way yay <laughs> yeah or is it god also could be that <laughs> he is a meddling bastard <laughs> yeah so did you write anything down as your final thoughts or do you have anything you would like to share with us to wrap this up I think my final thoughts are just that it was a fun episode. I liked the show doing it. I liked like a TV show doing this type of episode. And I think it would be more fun if other shows did little alternate universe things. I think that's always fun to see. It also could be just because I'm playing the new Miles Morales video game right now, which is very like multiverse centric. <laughs> yes. So I was in the right brain space yes. for a multiverse type episode. So yeah, I just think it was fun. And it was a kind of thing that like made me want other shows to try because I think it's a fun concept that could be adapted to other things. Did you like it enough to consider watching the actual show? I think it is not because of it not being fun. It's just not my style of show. I'm not a big, like, procedural, crimey, cop show kind of guy. It made me realize, like, I could see the show having good merits and there were definitely reasons why. Like, I could understand why people would like it. It's just not my style of TV show. I don't watch a lot of TV in general, so I'm very picky about what shows I watch. It's just not necessarily my cup of tea. But I did see, like, I understand why people like the show. I totally get it. Perfect. Okay, so I'm just going to start with this because I did not say it enough during the episode. I love Neil Gaiman. He is amazing. <laughs> His voice is great. And uh, the way this episode was structured is just phenomenal. I was left a little sad for Mace and Linda. But then again, I would hate if they'd have all of our characters coming back to their normal lives we know in just one episode because that just wouldn't make much sense. However, I loved watching the references to The Little Bastard, as I mentioned, because that story is insanely cool, and I really liked how they tackled the entire but neither of them is actually part of a police force situation. The little nods to the comic book, including Maze's Mask, Neil Gaiman or David Bowie made me very happy. So all in all, this was a well-done alternative universe adventure. All thumbs up for me. I have to agree. This is a wonderful episode and it's a fun episode. I've said so before, it all feels like a complete love letter to the fans because it is so completely full with tiny callbacks to old episodes from all the three seasons. And I do hope I caught them all. If I missed any reference, please let me know because I want to see them all. It was such a joy for me to see all the characters that we have become so used to see in a certain way, get out of the usual restraints and kind of see them stretch out with their acting skills. Just like Mike said in the very beginning, it was obvious that they were having so much fun with this. But I feel character-wise, most of our darlings are worse off one way or the other than we are used to. Mostly, Amenadiel is apparently completely lonely 
He has no connections besides Lucifer for the last three years. And while he seems to want to pursue connections with people, we see him be literally unable to touch that one person in the final scene because he is apparently unable to let go of the belief that an angel is not supposed to interact with humans. We see Mezekin has never emotionally evolved into this kind of person that we know. She has instead formed her own cult. And while she seems content, she is unaware of what could have been, but also she missed out on so much pain. So in her case, I'm kind of willing to go 50-50 on bad and good. Linda, of course, betrays her own standards for her reality show. So this is a full-on worse version for me. Ella, on the other hand, while she is a criminal, she totally seemed to me as decent and happy person, even though she does not have the same range of effect on humanity and society as she has as a forensic scientist. So I'm also on the 50-50 way for her. As I said, Dan and Charlotte riding off into the sunset together, my absolute highlight and my shipping heart is happy. I just want to mention, in this universe, there is no Trixie, and that is sad. That makes this universe a sad universe. So to wrap this up, in some way, this episode could be seen as God trying to justify why he acts or acted the way he has. Since, after all, a parent just wants what is best for their child. So at least in his opinion, he does wish for Lucifer's and maybe even everyone's happiness. All it took was for Chloe's father to get shot. Poor Daddy Decker. <laughs> he dead now, it's fine. He dead now, now all is fine. And with Daddy Decker being dead, I say thank you to everyone listening, but mostly, of course, thank you, Mike, for taking the time to watch this episode and share your insights as a completely new person coming into Lucifer. Thank you for having me. It was very fun. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed chatting about it with the two of you. You brought some great insight to the table, and this was this was fun. I'm glad that I was able to bring an outside perspective, and, you know, for any person hoping that I would at some point do an, a Potterless version of this, which is not going to happen, <laughs> you've, you've gotten a little a little taste of that so hopefully that can you know for anyone's like man i wish you would do this but with lucifer now you've gotten a glimpse into what that could be like <laughs> but seriously thanks for having me this was fun well if you just want to repeat where people can find you and where to go to support you on your kickstarter sure if you want to find out stuff that i do i have a website it's just tubes s-c-h-u-b dot e-s and it's got all the stuff there but most importantly if you're listening to this between march 30th and april 30th of 2021 the Kickstarter for Modern Muckraker is live. The website for Modern Muckraker is modernmuck.com and the Kickstarter direct link, you can go to bit.ly slash modernmuckraker, all lowercase. You can support, get some cool rewards and hopefully, you know, in a couple months from now, the podcast will be, you know, it will have been funded and will be a real thing that you can hear in your ears. I can't wait for it. It sounds, like I said, perfect for people who love nitpicking <laughs> and that is me. Good, good, good. I'm glad. Best of luck to you, Mike. Thank you, thank you. And with this, we say thank you for listening. If you are curious, find us on the various social media. We love interacting with you either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards from early release to hours of bonus content. Yes, hours. 
If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really help. Or telling all your friends about us. Because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you! Bye! Bye.